Today I want to talk to you about the pillar of commissioned. Now we've been going through the pillars. This is actually, this is the last pillar sermon. We've talked about things like radical redemption. We've talked about discipleship, deliberate discipleship. We've talked about last week Alex brought to you. We've talked about worship Alex brought to you. About courageous community of doing life together with one another. And today I get to talk about the missional purposes of, of, of the church. And what we do and how we do it. And how we can continue the work of Jesus as we live our everyday lives. See, we're not a church. This is one of the things that you have to understand. And don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Listen to the till I get to the end of the statement. We're not a church that has a mission program. That is so easy. Because all you have to do is give. You know... It's the other people that do missions. It's those special people that go all out throughout the earth. And we support them with our giving. We do have missionary relationships. But we don't believe that being a missionary and being on mission for Jesus is just the people that go to other countries. We believe that we're all living life on mission. We believe that if we are available, God will cross our lives with the lives of others, that He can supernaturally use our our participation to reflect His glory and change the earth right where we're at. That it doesn't just happen over in another, on another continent, but it can actually happen right here. And so we're going to talk about that today, and I'm going to read a couple of scriptures that's going to say, you're going to say, how is He going to make this make sense? And I'm going to do my best to do this by the end of the sermon. So if you guys will put the scripture, it's in Luke chapter 10. And we're going to start reading at verse 30. And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers. And who stripped him and beat him and they departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road and when he he saw him he passed by on the other side. And so likewise a Levite when he came to the place saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Let's pray one more time. Father, I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that allows me to be a speaker today, not speaking on my own behalf, but speaking through the authority of your word. So, Father, we need the enablement of the Holy Spirit to do that. And I ask you to honor your word today and touch people's lives. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said... See, what we do is the Bible is very clear about us being extensions or ambassadors of the faith. That means that an ambassador is somebody, if we're going to take it in the natural, an ambassador is somebody that we deem to be a reflection of who we are as a nation. And we take that person and we, pos- we put them in places that need influence. Like we put ambassadors in other countries that allow them to see a reflection of who we are. Well, 
what we are doing in the faith according to Scripture is that the Bible has us trying to reflect the character of God. And so to reflect the character of God, we need to know, well, what does God do and how does He do it and how can we be an extension to continue what He is and the essence of His character. And did you know that one of the most overwhelming things in Scripture about God is He's on mission. He is a missional God over and over again. And what I mean by missional is that He is always sending. And then once they get sent, they are required and have a responsibility to do. Amen? So I've been in this last couple of months. I've been influenced by Pastor Alex about touch your neighbor. And you don't always have to touch them. But I do expect you to say to them, why don't we say right now to be sent and to do. That's what we mean by missional. Is that God, the character of God, is always sending. He's always on mission. Well, what's His mission, Pastor? Tell us what His mission is. Well, He knew before the very creation of the earth, the Bible says before the foundations of the earth, He, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, enacted and developed the plan of salvation. So that means that he knew that once he gave his creation, mankind, self-will, that there was going to be a day where we chose to do wrong. Most of the time people ask me questions like, Pastor, why did God create that tree in the middle of the garden? If he wouldn't have created the tree, Jesus wouldn't have had to die, but me and you wouldn't have self-will. See, we have the opportunity among all creation to choose to love God back. We have an ability to choose yes or no. And that is a privilege and an honor. I'm going to talk to God when I get to heaven about that because I think we probably could have gone an easier route, but He chose that route and He knows best. Amen? But what happened is on that day where we sinned, there was a separation that now entered into the relationship between God and man. And that separation caused by sin was, uh, it was unique because I, was, I once had to pastor in a place called Fort Myers High School in their auditorium. And it was really debilitating for me to try to preach there because I, there were things about the auditorium that really stuck out to me as, as hindering my presence as being a communicator. One was right at the edge of the stage was a big hole and it's called an orchestra pit. And, and then the, the auditorium was very narrow and it was very dark and it was very long and I can't see past about the third row. You know, and so I put on these glasses to see past the third row and then I can't read. Somebody gave me the, the information about progressive lenses earlier so you don't have to email me after this sermon. And so you know me that have been here a while. You know I like to come down and I'm going to come down later on in the sermon. I like to connect with people. I like to get close. I want to be there and, and let them know that we're in this thing together. And it was almost impossible at the high school because I just couldn't float. And I couldn't get across that big hole called the orchestra pit. And by the time that I ran all the way down the other end of the stage to get to the stairs, you had done forgotten what I said, so I had to stay on it. The thing about the separation between man and God caused by sin, and I want you to understand it, it isn't that it was such a divide that God could not reach you. God could always reach you, but you couldn't reach Him. The divide was not hindering God, it was hindering us. 
The sin hindered us from approaching a holy God because His holiness and and our sinfulness and rebellion. And I want you to understand that He knew before He ever created us that we would one day fall prey to this separation by sin. So all of a sudden when we were separated by that sin, He immediately engaged mission and said, now my mission is to repair and restore the relationship between man and God, and I am going to send the very first missionary of all time, did not get sent from the Baptist organization, the Methodist, the Presbyterian, the Church of God, the Assemblies of God, non-denominational, or any other group of people. He was sent from heaven. His name was Jesus. And so all of a sudden you start to see the character of God as a sending God because He's going to send His only begotten Son. For God so loved the world. Remember that scripture? That He sent His only begotten Son. That whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He sent not the Son of God to condemn the world but through Him the world might be saved. That's John 3.17. And so all of a sudden now we see the nature of ascending God. And he's sending his first ambassador to reflect the character of who is the one that is sending him. And Jesus comes to earth as the Father sent on mission to do the work the Father has sent him to do. And he starts to reconcile man by his actions like living in obedience. Resisting temptation living sinless, preaching the kingdom of God, revealing His identity through miracles and signs, dying on a cross, resurrecting from the dead, all on mission to cure the separation between man and God. And through the power of that resurrection and the gift of salvation, there is no longer a separation. Matter of fact, the symbolic uh, barrier of the curtain into the holies of holies was ripped from top to bottom and now we have access back into close proximity because of the work of Christ Christ, the first missionary to reconcile God and man and all of a sudden now we have the privilege of now walking into his presence and being known as the sons and daughters of an almighty God. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And then he ascends and and they do it again. That way we know the repetitive nature of God when He starts to do things over and over again. So Jesus says to His congregation of apostles and disciples, He said, it's really important, it's expedient that I go back to the Father. Because if I go back to the Father, He and I are going to send someone else. And so He goes back to the right hand of the Father and we begin at this point to be enabled because He sends the power of the Holy Spirit to enable each and every one of us to continue to do the work of ministry. Listen to what the Bible says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, new has come. All of this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us unto himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Gave who? I'm going to say that again. Gave who? Didn't just give it to Jesus, but now he gave it to Jesus to reconcile us and then gave it to us to continue the reconciliation. Amen? And then let me... That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
See, the missional church continues the sending method that, God, that was given to us as an example. Citygate is a group of people that loves God with all of our heart and we love coming together for corporate worship. But we are not a come and see church. I'm going to say that again. We are not a come and see church. Because a come and see church makes it easy and convenient. We are not come and see church. We are enable us, empower us to go do the work of ministry. See, we believe that being on mission for God is that we have the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that has been sent by God the Father and God the Holy Spirit that enables us to do the work of ministry with such efficiency that the Bible literally says greater works can we do than He did. Woo! Wait a minute now. You're talking about comparing us to Jesus, Pastor. It's just the book. He gave us the qualifications and the enablement. He knew you could not do it on your own. He knew you couldn't be holy enough. He knew you couldn't be righteous enough. So He became your sin so you could become His righteousness so He could send righteous representatives as ambassadors, not perfect people, but righteous people in right standing that we can be sent out into the earth that is covered by darkness and declare the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. Can somebody say amen? See, you don't have to, if this is your method of discipleship, change it. You don't have to, if somebody ever asks you, do I, can I get saved? Don't tell them to come to church with you Sunday. Lead them to Christ right then. You do not need a preacher laying hands on somebody. The same spirit that indwells me indwells you. I drove through a community that does not need another worship service that allows a preacher to preach. They need people that have gone to the worship service to get enabled to speak life over death and speak reconciliation and bringing back to the original form. They need somebody that has revival in them that will drive through a community and say, this rubble's going to be something in a few days. We're going to speak life over our city. There are people going to come back and they're going to find the knowledge of Christ. Our churches are going to learn to work together in this unique thing and that we're going to reflect the glory of God and we don't need another 11 o'clock service. We're going to anoint our own heads to be missionaries in an area that needs mission. Amen? You say, well, pastor, what does all of that mean? Man, I'm talking about doing the work of Jesus. JJ, I'm talking about that we don't have to fear because greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. My friend, I went and preached revival last week at my home church. I was just preaching like there was nobody's business, telling them, don't worry about the rubble. Jesus, the glory of God is going to prevail. I said, I declare revival. I don't even operate in the prophetic, but I was speaking prophetically over this church that had a kind of a, a, a moment where they were coming to themselves, understanding the call that is upon them to help reconcile their community. And, and I just started saying, and everybody, everybody, anybody ever just got worried about when God starts answering prayers see some of you believe your everything gets easier when he answers prayer not all the time I'm going to get to that in just a minute so this dude pastor friend of mine now the pastor of the church I used to pastor is now excited revivals hit you know what happened Monday lady showed up he called me and said man you won't never believe what happened I said well do tell 
He said, yeah, uh, you said that revival started yesterday and uh, we just had to live it out. And I said, well, what happened, man? He said, there's this lady that come in and he said, I don't know. She's, I don't know if she was possessed or oppressed. She said, he said, I just know she started talking in another voice. I said, oh, yeah, what'd you do? He said, I stood up and said, the same spirit that lives in me that raised Jesus from the dead speaks deliverance over her. And she was completely delivered right then. That's revival. It didn't take, it didn't take credentials on a wall. Your credentials are you are the dwelling place of God the Holy Spirit sent on mission to do the work of the ministry. Well, Pastor... What is he sending me to do? I mean, Jesus is pretty plain about this. It's one thing when you have to read through commentaries. But Jesus in John 20, 21 says this. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Look at your neighbor and tell him he's sending you. See, what are we on mission to do? What is he sent? What, 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 what exactly are we meant to do? And that's where this thing come into play. So in Luke chapter 10, he sends out 72 disciples and apostles. And he sends them out to continue doing what they've seen him do. And you know what happens? Results are the same. They come back, they're rejoicing. They're saying, Jesus, it was just like you preaching. It was like we would go into a city and we would start preaching. Stuff would start happening. We prayed for the sick. They got healed. We would encounter darkness. We declared light. We would overcome. And people were brought through transformation to the knowledge of Christ being their Savior. And, and the kingdom was growing. That's what they said. They said the kingdom is growing. And he said, wonderful. Great job. But you ever notice that sometimes in the midst of great testimony, there's always somebody that tries to drag you down? In this story, it's a lawyer. Now, we've got good lawyer friends. They go to our church. Not all lawyers are bad. Just the one in this story. So he tries to be, you know, I can see him kind of being conceited and, you know, just, you know, trying to trip up Jesus. And he says, well, what is this mission? He said, love God with all your heart, your mind, and your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. He says, well, okay, who's your neighbor? He said, let me tell you a story. So he says, there was this guy that started traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and in this, this stretch of road, it appeals to thieves because it's kind of isolated and desolate, and people have to travel in a narrow path, and they're easy prey. And this dude fell prey to robbers. And not only did he get robbed, and they took what was not theirs, but now they're going to strip him naked and beat him half to death, and then leave him there to die. And then to the story comes a priest. Now a priest is supposed to be a good guy that sees people in this condition and tries to assist. But he sees them and the Bible is very clear that he saw the need, recognized that he was going to have to get messy and decided to go to the other side of the street and pretend like he didn't see it. And just kept walking by. And I'm thinking, wow. That's kind of rough. And then the Bible says that a guy that's supposed to be better than a priest is supposed to be a priest among priests. That's a Levite. A Levite is a leader that is of the tribe of priests. He is a, not only a priest, but he's a leader of priests. And the Bible says that he saw the guy. 
and pretended like he didn't see it and walked to the other side of the street. Now, that's tough to do. Dude laying there dying and you walking by like you ain't seeing him. Like I got to go do my Levite stuff. Dude, this is your Levite stuff. That's what I've struggled with in the church sometimes is that when God was bringing me through some of the process that He had me in, and lo and behold, I, I was struggling because I was surrounded by people that were telling me, give me more, give me three more songs and two more sermons. I'm like, when are we going to do it? Instead of just hearing about it, when are we going to engage it? And so, ever, you ever got in trouble by praying a prayer and God answer it? Yeah, I did. Leave, the guy's still over there. We're going to get back to him. So I pray this prayer with sincerity. God, use me to change the world. He said, okay, i tell you what I need you to do. I need you to leave the denomination. Wait a minute. That's all I've ever known. Yeah, you know how to do that really good. You don't really hardly ever need me. But if you do something that's outside of your skill set, you're going to have to have faith that I can help engage and enable you to do it. And so, for those of you that don't know, I love the denomination. They're great people. I didn't have any axe to grind. And they're a centralized form of government. So when God told me to leave the denomination, He was telling me, I want you tomorrow not to have anything. Because when we walked out the door, they owned the bank account, the building, every piece of equipment, even down to the microphone cord. So when we said amen on that last Sunday, Monday, we were broke. I'm like... God, are you sure? And then he sent me over there to that place I described at Fort Myers High School. I couldn't hardly see anybody. They were in, they've remodeled it since then. That, I got a little bitterness in my heart about that, that they waited till we left to remodel it. <laughs> Could you tell? I, I didn't know if I hit it. <laughs> and God just started raising up people that were going to become the church instead of just have church. Thus, now we have CityGate. And the story continues now with a Samaritan. Now, the Bible tells you that the Samaritans and the Israelites hated each other. They, they kind of had some disagreements over worship. One worshipped in Jerusalem, the other one worshipped on, on a mountain. They had some issues with marriage and who was who and who was the right heir and all of that stuff. And so if there's anybody that deserved to go to the other side of the road, it's the guy that's hated, Right? Because the dude in the story probably would have hated the Samaritan in any other circumstance. But the two guys that were supposed to do something did nothing. And the guy that now has every right to go to the other side of the road says, Wait a minute, let me, let me, uh, let me help this guy. And he goes over to him and he starts to do some stuff. He sees he's wounded and he starts to pour oil and wine. Now I know that it's hard to keep a line because there's a lot of people that abuse privileges and the Bible tells you not to get drunk. But he didn't have this wine on his animal for medicine. <laughs> he had it to drink. Can somebody say amen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but he decided not to drink it but to pour it out for somebody else. 
And not only that, see, we're not afraid of the devil around here. I don't know if you've noticed that yet or not, but we're not afraid of the devil because we believe the same thing that pastor believed up in North Florida. You put us in a room of darkness and darkness has to go somewhere because there's somebody living in me that will not occupy the same space. He'll just invade the joint. He'll make darkness cower. And we just get to be used. And so this is what happens. This guy, see, we're not afraid of the devil. The greatest enemy of the modern church is convenience. I'm going to say that again. Touch your neighbor and tell them. The biggest enemy is convenience. Because somehow or another we've messed this gospel up to think that what God wants to do for you and then once he does it for you, then you may be able to give back to him. But he has to do it first. Did you notice the inconvenience of this man? Is he has to get off of a horse and put somebody else on it. That means he's got to walk. This ain't about him. It has now been on mission to be about saving somebody's life. And saving somebody's life has now got him from a position of comfort to a position of work, of walking. And then when he walks all the way to the hotel, he pulls out his wallet. Because ministry will cost you something. And he says, hey man, this guy needs a room. He ain't going to be able to travel for a couple days. Here's some money. And if it isn't enough, I'm coming back and I'll pay you whatever the difference is. Now that's a man's man right there. Huh. <laughs> Saved a man's life. Amy, are you up here somewhere? Get ready to play me something. I'm going to tell you two stories and then I'll go up here where everybody can see. And it has to do with this hand right here. I'm right-handed. So we are like the good Samaritan. We get messy. Because we believe we're on mission. And it doesn't matter if it's your living room. It doesn't matter if it's your workplace. It doesn't matter if it's, it's another country. It doesn't matter if it's your city. It doesn't matter. We believe God wants to use you to transform somebody else's life through the glory of God. And so we decided that church that left the denomination, went to the school, ended up here at First Baptist. And we're not even Baptists. That's the crazy part. And... We decide we're going to start doing these Good Samaritan kind of things. We call them outreaches. And so we adopt Royal Palm as one of our outreaches. Royal Palm is a place that is subsidized housing for senior adult living. And we found out that there were some great needs over there. We found out that there were people choosing between food and medicine. We said, that ain't going to be. We're going to make sure they have both. And then we found out that we, we had some needs for furniture. And there were people with just, our apartments, they just had concrete floors. And we're like, no, you can't sleep on the floor. You know, you're an elder to us. We're going to make a difference. And so we start making a difference. And you know what? An answer prayer turns into a messy situation because the more furniture we took, the more we realized there's some apartments that had stuff Living in it. These things. We got anointed. Uh, you know, that enabling power of the Holy Spirit to do work of ministry that raised Jesus from the dead. He anointed us uh, and protected us against bed bugs. So we just started going into where bed bugs were and we took all the furniture out, put new furniture in. 
we get extermination and all that good stuff. You know, we, we were there. And in one of those outreaches, it got a little challenging. Because there was a guy, I think he lived on the 10th floor, 9th or 10th floor, lived in a corner. And I'm not going to mention his name. And he was, we had two challenges. One, he spoke Spanish. And two, he was in a wheelchair. And we had done some things for him and we realized as we were doing some things for him that we must have glanced in the refrigerator and found out there was no food. And we said, okay, we're going to get busy with this. So I, in, I recruited my daughter-in-law, which is fluent in Spanish because she's from Mexico. And I said, come on over here. And she helped bridge the language barrier. And he was telling us how thankful he was for all of the things. And while she was doing that, I said, hey, you stay here. We went to Publix, got bags of groceries, and come back. So now, apartment's getting fixed up, food in the refrigerator. That's the easy stuff, folks. And then this guy says, discreetly, because he's having to use a translator that's a lady, I've got to use the restroom. And I'm the only guy in the house. And so I position him. He has a little catch cup. And he wants a little dignity but doesn't want to be rude to the ladies. So I move the ladies out and I gather his cup together. And he has the ability to kind of uh, do some things for himself. And he fills this cup up and hands it to me. That's where the right hand comes in. On mission, man. Doing the work of ministry. So I didn't know, I'm not familiar like you in the medical community. I'm not familiar that there's an inside to these cups. So I go to the restroom, pull up the lid, and I throw it into the commode. The inside of the cup goes in there too. Oh, that's what I said. Dear Jesus, oh no. And then I backed up and I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of there. My faith was not enough. And I can't flush it to get to clean water because if I flush it, the insides are going to go through the commode. So this right hand, I roll this thing up. I said, man up, David. I reached in there and I grabbed that thing. And I didn't even want him to know it. And I put it back in the thing and I washed my hands up because I didn't want him to feel bad because it wasn't his fault that I threw it in there. Enabled to do the work of ministry. Because that man's life was changed. Not because somebody reached their hand in the commode, but because somebody loved them enough to go through the door and be there in the first place. You say, well, pastor, you're such a great pastor, it gets better. <laughs> See, some folks ask me all the time in ministry, they say, how do you get to do what you get to do? Because God keeps score. That's why. Because I remember a night, Matt, where what now is crossover years later was once the bridge, and they had voted to close it down. 
And in the bloating of closing it down, it was in conjunction to the National Day of Prayer. And I was sitting right there by myself in the dark at 3 o'clock in the morning and said, God, I just can't go into a gym and tell these kids we're not coming back. And I don't know how I'm going to pay for the director that they already have, but we've got to do something. And so I went to the National Day of Prayer, then went to the hospital. Now get this straight, God did not pay me. But he did keep score. Because I went into that hospital, somebody said, hey, I need to see you when you leave. They handed me a white envelope. The same right hand that reached into the commode reached over and grabbed that envelope. When I got to the truck, I opened that envelope up and it was $50,000. Come on, somebody. See, when you go on mission, it's not about the money, but you can see miracles take place. You could see the lost get saved. You could see the sick get healed. Because you don't need papers on your wall. You need to know that you have the same Jesus on the inside of you and the Holy Spirit that enabled Him to get up from the dead. They don't need to come to this building. You are the building that we're sending out there into the realms of darkness to declare, JJ, if somebody is sick this week, do not bring them to me. Lay your hands on them. Declare the power of an almighty God and de declare that they can be healed in Jesus' name. This same hand has went to lunches where somebody slid me an $80,000 check over. And that same right hand deposited it too. Because we're on mission to change the world one life at a time. And he didn't call me to do it. That's why we call this thing commissioned. Not commissioned, commissioned. Because individually we are enabled and anointed, but collectively, that's where the co comes from. It's short for collectively. Collectively, we are on mission as CityGate to go extend the boundaries of the ministry of Jesus throughout our city. And you are the carrier.